Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Ontario Premier Doug Ford refuses to apologize for comments he made about immigrants. You come here like every other new Canadian has come here, you work your tail off. If you think you're coming to collect the dole and sit around, not going to happen. Go somewhere else. Scott Moe says Saskatchewan could have responded faster to the fourth wave. The measures that we have in place are proving to be working. Our numbers are, are, are coming down. We're down about 30% month over month. Um, if the question is, should we have moved a week or possibly uh, 10 days earlier with that policy? That's a fair question. And it appears Albertans have voted in favor of removing equalization from Canada's constitution. We're looking for a majority to say yes to a fair deal. This is a commitment we gave Albertans in the last election to let them speak to the issue of equalization, uh, to give this province leverage in fighting for a fair deal. It's Wednesday, October 20th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. We're joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster, Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. Dan, let's start with uh, some news from provincial politics. There are a couple of interesting storylines going on, and we'll, we'll get to Alberta's vote on equalization payments and how Scott Moe has, has been framing Saskatchewan's handling of uh, the fourth wave of the pandemic in a moment. But Ontario Premier Doug Ford is still refusing to apologize for comments that some people have said are callous and xenophobic. Uh, that, that he was as he's been accused of uh, feeding negative stereotypes about immigrants to Canada um, as saying that that anybody who comes to Ontario should should work their tail off um, so uh, what do you think about this and and this obviously is is relevant not just because of the broader discussion about immigration um, and frankly, also about the, the many industries where there's a shortage of workers, but there's an election coming up in, in Ontario in, uh, in about eight months. So what do you make of this? Well, uh, I, I think, you know, first off, it's extraordinary for the Premier of uh, Ontario. I mean, uh, you know, some people believe that Toronto is the most diverse big city in the world. Um, you know, I, I could believe it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think Ontario has profited, prospered and profited immensely from immigration. And, um, you know, in one, as a person who lives in one of the smaller provinces, we're well aware of the fact that most immigrants coming to Canada want to go to Ontario because that's where there's critical mass of different cultures and, and it's easier to fit in. It, it's seen as a very accepting and diverse place. Um, so it was a bit jarring to hear Ford say that. I mean, he, you know, if you're going to come here and collect the dole, uh, but, you know, that appeals to part of uh, Doug Ford's base as well. That's the part that they don't talk about very much, but that is still suspicious of immigrants, still suspicious of other uh, cultures, languages, etc., and is concerned about their uh, you know, their their job security and, and their economic security. So, uh, you know, I can see why he's not... I, I think he just probably stuck the old size 11 in his mouth again, which Ford does with, you know, assuring regularity. But uh, at the same time, um, re- declining to step down or take it back, uh, I think is more a signal to that side of the party. Um, and he's keeping them in the tent. So, uh, I mean, you know... He'll pull the old I'm Uncle Doug thing all over again. It's all for the people, blah, blah, blah. And everyone will carry on. 
All right, let's turn to Saskatchewan, where uh, Scott Moe has acknowledged that the government could have responded faster to the fourth wave. There's been a lot of criticism of how the governments in Saskatchewan and Alberta uh, responded to uh, to the rise in, in cases in late summer, early fall. Um, uh, so he's been criticized quite a bit. Do you think this responds to the criticism? Well, you know, uh, Premier Mo and Jason Kenney have a brilliant record of being wrong. They're wrong over and over and over on COVID. They are uh, endangering people. And uh, if they're finally, the veil is, is, is being lifted from their eyes and they're able to see what's going on right in front of their nose, which is COVID is, a, is a, an extreme threat and stern measures have to be taken. And uh, now I, I did catch Premier Mo on television yesterday, and he said, well, maybe a few days we could have moved a slightly a little bit faster, uh, which was bizarre. Uh, he could have moved a month faster to bring in restrictions. Um, you know, they he, he was referring to the government making decisions as if it was some other government that he had nothing to do with, which was another weird thing about it. And if he's apologizing or saying sorry, it's only in the most oblique possible way. Very similar to Jason Kenney, I think, in the sense that, uh, you know, the, both provinces' ICU wards are full to capacity and over capacity. They're having to send patients to other provinces. And um, and now they're saying, yeah, well, maybe there was a slight tweak we could have done, uh, you know, a couple of days earlier. I mean, this is a very serious matter of accountability. I know the ultimate accountability will be elections in either of those provinces. But at the same time, these are um, these are severe failures of, of leadership on the public health file. And um, Scott Moe should be groveling, not just saying he could have tweaked things a little bit earlier. But anyway, they're going to pull through, I guess. Um, I, you know, even Moe government is, is seeking help from American states rather than, uh, you know, from the federal government or, or some of the other provinces. So I, I just don't know quite what they're thinking there, but uh, it doesn't seem to be working out that great for the people of Saskatchewan or Alberta, for that matter. Yeah. And speaking of Alberta, uh, not surprisingly, but it appears as though the, the province voted for um, uh, the scrapping of equalization payments as part of the Canadian Constitution. Um, what happens now? Because obviously this, this is really just um, something that Jason Kenney can use as a negotiating chip. It's, it, uh, it carries no more weight than that. Well, you know, Jason Kenney can use, if, if, if that's correct and the referendum does come out in favor of Kenney's position on equalization, um, and, I mean, if it's a massive mandate, you know, if he gets 70% or, or higher, say, or 65% or higher uh, supporting his position, then I suppose he'll have some sort of rhetorical stick to brandish. But if the federal government, I think, is, they're a pretty... Those guys have seen uh, referendums come and go. Uh, they've seen referendums on much more serious issues. I mean, the separation or the sovereignty of Quebec is a much heavier burden for the question and the federal response than this equalization gambit of, uh, of uh, Jason Kenney's. Uh, but, you know, they, uh, the federal government, I think, would be wise to just go, oh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, thanks for coming out. Uh, we'll take this, uh, you know, duly noted. 
um, and carry on because I can't see any federal government upending the rest of Confederation uh, to respond to a single issue topic that has clearly just been kind of ginned up for uh, political advantage uh, advantage by Jason Kenney. So Jason Kenney needs this way more than anybody else does. And I think the federal government will see through it right away. All right, let's turn to the business of federal parliament and uh, the Board of Internal Economy, which is uh, the committee within parliament that uh, takes care of administration and that sort of thing, uh, is saying that uh, almost anybody entering the House of Commons, including members of Parliament, will have to be fully vaccinated when Parliament resumes on November 22nd. So uh, what do you think that means, in particular for the Conservative Party, um, which is the is the main party that hasn't really announced how many people have been vaccinated and, and how many haven't? Yeah, I think it presents uh, particular problems for the Conservatives. Uh, today, the Prime Minister is uh, scheduled to have telephone consultations with Aaron O'Toole, uh, with Jagmeet Singh from the NDP, and for some reason with Elizabeth May. And uh, he has already apparently spoken to Francois Blachet from the bloc. So uh, they're trying to get their ducks in a row to resume Parliament, even though they're taking a rather leisurely approach to that return. Uh, but they have to figure out some way so that... Um, Parliament can proceed uh, without, uh, you know, offending against public health measures. And I don't think any party leader would want to risk the idea of their caucus um, floating uh, public health directions. So, um, you know, obviously it can be done. There's, you know, we've had a hybrid parliament now for over a year. There are ways of of making these things happen. However, um, we're still not sure, no one seems to be sure, what position the Conservative caucus, the members of the Conservative caucus, who some of them uh, at least won't say publicly they're in favor of vaccination, and who are responding to that uh, anti-vax rump in their own party that is uh, plaguing them now and, and putting them offside with the other parties. So, you know, I think, Mark, people agreed at the start of the pandemic that, um, you know, politics had to become secondary to the overall public uh, uh, concentration on, on, you know, making making everybody safe and getting through the pandemic. And uh, but at the same time, you can see there's some chipping away at that. And uh, the parties are not really going to be unanimous on very many uh, issues, and they probably won't be on this one. But they do have to find a a modus vivendi to uh, move forward with the work of Parliament. Yeah. All right. We'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting day with, as you mentioned, the Prime Minister speaking with uh, some of the opposition leaders. Um, We'll see what happens there. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, Mark. Thanks for the call. That's Dan Legere, a longtime political writer and broadcaster. We're looking for a majority to say yes to a fair deal. This is a commitment we gave Albertans in the last election to let them speak to the issue of equalization, uh, to give this province leverage in fighting for a fair deal. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Carson Jurema argues Jason Kenney is putting Alberta on a path he can't control. He writes, totals so far show Albertans voting to remove equalization from the Constitution. 
It just isn't obvious what Jason Kenney hopes to accomplish with this. A victory for the yes side could do little more than raise expectations, creating a larger opening for separatist elements in the province. If Albertans strongly approve of making changes to equalization and Kenny is unable to deliver for them, will that further embolden the separatists within his base? In the Toronto Star, Garnet Anjakonib argues it's time for an inquiry into the Indian Residential Schools Settlement Agreement. He writes, As more details are exposed into the matters of one of the biggest class action settlement agreements of the century, Canadians need to know the truth about the serious shortcomings, failures, and the mishandling of the agreement. Survivors are often told to get over it. But how can they, when games by government, churches, and others continue to be played on their backs? Until Canadians know the truth, there can be no true reconciliation. In the Globe and Mail, Gary Mason argues politics has become a thankless, dangerous job. Mason writes, One never knows when malicious utterances on social media might lead to something more serious. While the risk of violence has been something legislators have always had to live with, there is a sense it's much worse now, amplified by social media and the ecosystem of the aggrieved. If we do nothing, we accept that fewer of our best people are going to want to have anything to do with civic life. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will speak with Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, and Green Party parliamentary leader Elizabeth May. Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan will take part in the NATO Defence Minister's meeting in Brussels. And Governor-General Mary May Simon continues her state visit to Germany. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, October 20th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.